Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our readings all focus on this one event. The reading from Exodus is a sort of prefiguration of Jesus' transfiguration, as Moses' face shines bright after speaking with God. The epistle reading from the second letter of Peter tells of Peter's experience as one of the disciples who was an eyewitness to the transfiguration of Jesus. And finally, our gospel reading is Luke's account of the story. The story is a key moment in Jesus' lives, told in all three of the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is a mountaintop experience in which God's revelation is made known to us. What are we to make of this miraculous story? Well, for one thing, it's clearly an indication of Jesus' power and authority. He's in a great line of teachers that includes Moses and Elijah, who symbolize the law and the prophets, respectively. He is beloved and chosen by God, says the voice from the cloud. He is a light shining in the darkness, his face a glow from the glory of God. He is the fulfillment of the promises that God made to his people throughout time, throughout the history of Israel. He is our hope and our salvation. He is God's own son. And he is going to Jerusalem to die for our sins. The second letter of Peter says that the transfiguration bestowed honor and glory upon Jesus. Now, what's key to understanding the transfiguration is to see what exactly honor and glory mean here. Because it's not what the world would expect. It's not what we usually think of as honor and glory. Christ's honor is in his humility and his self-giving love. And Christ's glory is in his death on a cross. This is what the transfiguration points to, the fact that Christ takes our pain, our death, and our sin, and transforms them through his very self. In order to unpack what that all means, we have to look at Jesus' life as a whole. The meaning of scripture is best understood as a comprehensive unit not in tiny, isolated chunks. Like our own mountaintop experiences, the significance of the transfiguration is not contained in just that one brief moment. We cannot understand what the honor and glory and power that Jesus receives on that mountaintop means unless we think more broadly about who Jesus is and what he does with the power that he is given. 
For example, soon after Jesus and the disciples descend from the mountain, and this is not in today's readings, but it's so important for understanding who Jesus is and what honor and glory and power look like for him. So very soon after this experience of the transfiguration, which Peter and John and James, three of the disciples, have witnessed, Jesus finds them and the other disciples arguing about which one of them is the greatest. You know this story, right? Jesus takes a little child in response. And holding that child, he says to the disciples, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes he who sent me. For the least among you all is greatest. We call Christ our King, our Lord, our Master. He is one with the Father, the creator of the universe. He has just been bestowed with honor and glory from on high and shown to be even greater than Moses and Elijah, the two most important figures in the Old Testament. But his greatness does not consist in power over others, like with human rulers, but rather in his identification with and care for the weakest and the most vulnerable people, sinners and outcasts, foreigners and children, prisoners and slaves, both literally and figuratively. All of us who fall under that big tent of those who need salvation. The transfiguration is so powerful for us because this most powerful figure, Christ, uses the power that he has been given not to control, but to heal and to liberate. Right after Jesus tells the disciples about that little child being the greatest, one of the disciples reports that they saw a man casting out demons in Jesus' name who was not one of the disciples, and so they tried to stop him. No, 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 says Jesus. You've got it all wrong again. Don't forbid him. He that is not against you is for you. That's what Jesus says. Jesus is not interested in policing who can share his love and who can heal in his name. His grace is not limited like that. It's there for all of us, for all people. His disciples are not the only ones who can heal in his name. His power does not depend upon it being exclusive. And Jesus is not interested in using his power to punish those who reject him. The very next story, this is all within the ninth chapter of Luke, all right after the transfiguration, he goes to a Samaritan village, and the village refuses to receive him. And his disciples say, Lord, do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? Jesus turns and rebukes them and leads them on to another village instead. Christ did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. He did not come to force people to believe in him, to forcibly transform our lives, but to offer himself as a living sacrifice on our behalf. This is such very good news for us, for us who so often reject God, 
who so often try to make ourselves into gods, who shut our eyes to the abundance of grace and the possibilities for redemption for our lives and the world. We need this God who redefines power and authority, honor and glory. We need this God who doesn't give up, who pursues us persistently and passionately, who loves us while we are still sinners and gives his own self to save us. The transfiguration, though, it isn't just about what Jesus does. It's also about who he is. He is God's revelation of his own self. In the first reading today, Moses was given the law atop of Mount Sinai. And the law is a gift, the gift of God's commandments for his people to guide us in the love of God and in the love of our neighbors. But we used that gift, we used the law to try to justify ourselves. And in the process, we bring condemnation upon ourselves. But when Jesus is transfigured upon that mountaintop, he himself is given as God's gift for us. He is the revelation of God's own self for us, the good news of love and mercy, of our redemption. He himself, Jesus Christ, the person, the Son of God, is the gospel. Moses and Elijah came to speak with him about his departure, that is his death. The word here is actually exodus, drawing another connection to the exodus and the story of Moses, calling to mind their exodus out of Egypt into the promised land. Because Jesus has been sent to lead us out of our bondage to sin and death and into new life. Jesus talks with Moses and Elijah about what he must do, what is ahead. He knows all along what will come, what the people that he has come to save will do to him. When he comes down from that mountain, he walks consciously and confidently toward his death. But this is a death from which he will be resurrected. And we cannot forget that part of the story or all of our hope is lost. The transfiguration, you see, points not merely to Christ's death, but also beyond it. It prefigures his resurrected body, still recognizable, but transfigured and dazzlingly bright with God's majestic glory. Seeing Jesus transfigured alongside Moses and Elijah, Peter offers to build him a tent. Our translation uses the word booth, but the word is tent, and it's the same as the word tabernacle, which is what Moses had the people built after his transfiguration. Peter wants to build him a tent to house God's revelation. But as God's word, Christ has no need for a tent or a tabernacle or even a human body. His resurrected body will be transfigured, as will ours with him in the kingdom of heaven.
The transfiguration reveals Christ to us as one with the Father, one sent for us, whose person and work redeem us, who draws us to himself for that healing and transformation to share an everlasting life with him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.